the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We're going to be talking about elder law, and I'm out of the office or out of the studio today, so this is a recorded video, not taking any calls, but uh, we will be on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, Apple Podcast, and you can also find this and other episodes on talklawradio.com. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, limited liability companies, limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in lawsuits, demands, cease and desist, guardianships, probate, real estate, breach of contract, personal injury. Check out our blog at Marquardt Law Firm for interesting information about the law. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help me do a good job informing the listeners about elder law and nursing home Medicaid today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Like I said, today I'm going to be talking about elder law, but just in case you forgot, I'm actually from New Mexico. I moved to San Antonio, Texas to go to St. Mary's University School of Law. Uh, Went there from 2003 to 2006. I've been practicing here in San Antonio for the last 15 years, and I've been working, helping people with estate planning, probate, guardianships, elder law, which includes helping people qualify for nursing home Medicaid, helping People qualify for the veterans' pension, uh, the surviving pension, and also helping people with business, business entities, uh, startups, and uh, working on operating agreements and uh, certificates of formation, deeds, real estate, tax, and all that good stuff. Today we're going to focus on elder law and nursing home Medicaid, 
because I realized that the last time I talked about this was August 2019. It was one of the very first shows that I did, and I'm going to go much more in-depth in the subject of nursing home Medicaid today. So, again, if you're just tuning in, we're on 9.30 a.m., The Answer, and later I'll be on Apple Podcasts and at TalkLawRadio.com. Some people come to me because they're concerned about medical care, health care, long-term care, and assisted living in nursing homes. And it all comes down to the question, do your loved ones know what kind of long-term care you want? My mom's mom, my mama, she spent 20-plus years of her life worrying about what would happen if she got Alzheimer's disease and would somebody put her in a nursing home. I think back in the 90s uh, when her husband, my grand, passed away, there were investigative TV shows like 2020, 60 Minutes, and Dateline, all reporting on what was going on in nursing homes. And it scared her. Of course, she also had friends that were going into nursing homes uh, because she was about that age. Well, she made everybody promise her that when she got Alzheimer's disease, because she was sure she was going to get it, that nobody would put her in a nursing home. And so my mom took care of her at at her house and, and lived with her and helped her with everything. And so my mom learned firsthand how hard it is to be a caregiver. And she loved Mama. That was her mom. She loved her dearly and was happy to provide that service as an adult caregiving child. Um, but what she, what my mom learned from all of that is that she doesn't want anybody to go through that burden of taking care of her. She said, she told me, uh, don't let your sister take me to Colorado. It's too cold there. I don't want to live with her. I'd rather stay here in Texas. And she doesn't want me or my brothers helping her with toileting or showering because that would be too embarrassing for her. She told me that she does prefer to go to a nursing home if she needs that type of care. So that's just two opposing viewpoints, and you probably have a preference or maybe you don't know yet. So it's a good thing to think about. Let your family know what you want, or else you're going to end up with a situation that maybe you don't want. Oh, there's another part to this, to just knowing what you want to do. It's that medical care, health care, and long-term care and assisted living in nursing homes is expensive. So open up your checkbook or look at your bank statement or look at your online account and ask yourself, do I have enough money saved up to pay for this? Do I have long-term care insurance? Am I planning to rely on government benefits to pay for this? So one of the reasons I got into this area of law is because uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So my service and dedication to the practice of elder law and the clients that I help is all in honor of uh, my grandmother, June Marquardt, and my other grandmother, Bertha Patterson. My parents were divorced when I was four years old. My mom had to go back to school, then she had to go to work and get a job and work full time. So my grandparents on both sides spent a lot of time with me, driving me to school, taking me to get my hair cut, and getting me to swimming lessons in the summer. And during all that time that I spent with them, they would tell me their stories about their lives. Uh, Grandmommy would tell me about living on the farm in Nebraska. Mamma would tell me about uh, living on the farm in New Mexico. 
And so what I, when I discovered elder law and estate planning, I made it my mission to return the favor and help those people take care of their older parents, their disabled parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles. So people say, why is such a young man like me talking about issues that older people have? Well, I I still think that I'm young, but actually I'm 40 years old, so I'm not that young. And so like I said, I just really like hearing the stories. I really want to give back and help people through a difficult and confusing time. The law in this area is very confusing for people, and I I had to learn it from scratch just like most. And so I I just made it my business to to know the rules and know the exceptions to the rules. And while I was in law school and and after I started practicing, my mom's mom and my dad's mom both faced catastrophic assisted care expenses. My dad's mom, June, my grandmommy, spent two and a half years in the nursing home because she had osteoarthritis in her back. And my granddad couldn't lift her, so she had to have help full-time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What I learned from her experience is that we should give instructions to our loved ones about how we want to be cared for. And how would you want to be treated if you suffered such a painful, debilitating medical condition? And who was going to take care of you, and where would you prefer to live? My mom's mom, my mamaw, like I said, she suffered from Alzheimer's disease. And what I learned from her experience is that we should give instructions to somebody. How would you want to be treated if you lost your memory? Where would you prefer to live? Who would you want to take care of you? So most people have a primary goal about the type of care and and how you want your finances to be taken care of. So I call the, this the prime directive. Uh, the, we'll go into the prime directive after we take a break. So stay tuned if you want to hear how to inform your loved ones about what your prime directive is. We're here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'll be on Apple Podcast and at TalkLawRadio.com. Stay tuned. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Today we're talking about elder law and nursing home Medicaid. Before the break, I was asking what your primary directive would be about how you want to be taken care of and how you want your finances to be arranged and spent. If you need somebody to take care of you. Most people I talk to have a primary directive that falls into one of three categories. Now, some people want everything, and there's advantages and disadvantages to doing things. I mean, everything in life is that way, isn't it? So the prime directive is the same way. Sometimes the prime directives compete with one another, Sometimes one is weighted just a little heavier than the rest, and that gives us an idea about what legal strategies to use. So prime directive number one might be you want to stay at home at all costs, even if a physician says that you need a higher standard of care, even if it would be dangerous. 
And even if you had a private caregiver at home, one-to-one, around the clock, and maybe that would just totally uh, decimate your finances. Prime directive number two might be you want to be in the nicest assisted living or retirement community in town. You want the best care at the nicest place, even if you spend every penny of your savings and leave no inheritance to anyone. That might be prime directive for you. Prime directive number three might be leaving an inheritance for your beneficiaries because you want them to have an opportunity maybe that you didn't have. So there are some ways for you to get qualified for government benefits and save money, still get qualified. But like I said, there's advantages and disadvantages for the legal strategies that might need to be done. Prime directive number one, stay home. Prime directive number two, be at the nicest place in town. Prime directive number three, save the most money. So my philosophy about taking care of older or disabled family members is summarized by William Blackstone's 1836 Commentaries on the Laws of England, the 19th edition, page 453. He said, There is a moral responsibility, even higher than the legal, for children to help their needy parents. The duties of children to their parents arise from a principle of natural justice and retribution. For those who gave us existence, we naturally owe subjection and obedience during our minority and honor and reverence ever after. They who protected the weakness of our infancy are entitled to our protection and the infirmity of their age. They who by sustenance and education have enabled their offspring to prosper in return to be supported by that offspring in case they stand in need of assistance. That was by William Blackstone in his 1836 Commentaries on the Laws of England, 19th edition, page 453. Okay. So what is long-term care? Well, picture this. Physicians have figured out how to keep us alive a long time. You've probably noticed it. Your neighbors, your friends, your family members are living longer with disability or incapacity. Long-term care can be defined as a need for assistance with activities of daily living. Activities of daily living is a term used in healthcare to refer to a person's essential and routine self-care activities that most healthy individuals can perform without assistance, such as eating, toileting, bathing, dressing, and transferring, which is essentially mobility moving from a chair to walk down the hall, getting out of bed, walking down the hall, sitting in a chair, that would be transferring. Uh, sometimes long-term care is helping somebody with their instrumental activities of daily living. Those are more complex activities related to the ability to live in the community such as managing one's own finances, managing one's own medications, preparing his or her own food, housekeeping, and laundry. Now, there is some long-term care is considered to be custodial care. So that's, that's why Medicare doesn't pay for it in the nursing home long-term because they say it's it's no longer a medical condition. This is a custodial arrangement where you just need a place to live. Custodial care is when you need regular assistance with two or more activities of daily living or supervision because an individual with a mental disorder or a physical condition is unsafe if left alone. 
So you can think of uh, somebody who can't get out of bed. If they're bed-bound, they might need to be in a nursing home. Or if their, their mental disorder or their loss of memory, like if in the case of Alzheimer's and, or dementia, causes somebody to uh, make decisions that lead them into dangerous activities or dangerous situations. Sometimes as dementia progresses, so does the need for assistance with daily activities. That assistance might come in the forms of meal preparation, help with grooming or hygiene, transportation, and others. Sometimes a person with dementia or Alzheimer's might walk out the front door and get lost. Uh, They are said to be wandering or roaming. They don't really know where they're going. You may have seen uh, on the highways the, the big signs, digital signs, they say silver alert. That means there is uh, an elderly person that's lost, and they're driving around, and the state of Texas wants you to look out for that car with that license plate number and call it in so that their family can take care of them. The progression of illness or injury might lead somebody to need a few hours of care a week, or it might require around-the-clock care, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here's some statistics. Up to 44% of Americans will face a disability lasting 4.7 years. That's almost one out of every two. 70% of all persons over age 65 will need some type of long-term care service during their lifetime. So that's almost three out of four that will need some type of long-term care service. So what exactly does long-term care service look like? Well, it could be an in-home care provider, sometimes known as uh, non-medical home care. Uh, Could be a family caregiver. Could be a spouse, an adult child, a grandchild, just making sure that their family member takes their medication. It could be an unskilled neighbor who just checks on things, uh, pops in, to the neighbor's house to see how things are going. Maybe it's somebody that stops by to look in the cupboard or the refrigerator just to make sure that there's food there, make sure that the restroom's clean, uh, make sure that uh, the mail isn't strewn about, maybe make sure that the bills are being paid. It could be adult daycare which is exactly how it sounds. It's a, an a organization or institution or, or place where you can drop off an older person to stay busy. Maybe the, they don't need help with everything. They just need to be kept busy. I think most adult daycares, they, they want the older people to be able to uh, go to the restroom on their own. That's a big uh, need because if they if they can't get there or if they need assistance while they're in the restroom, well, that takes a lot of time and work for somebody. That's more like what a caregiver would do. Assisted living, um, that's where you, you move into a community and you have your own room. Maybe meals are provided. Uh, in a big dining area, sort of like a dorm, for a college dorm. It has a lot of similarities there. I saw on the news, I, I can't remember where it was, but it was a program about how college students were living in nursing homes uh, just like it were a dorm. And so they spend some of their time helping older people reading to them, talking to them, 
and it it's a benefit for both the younger college age person and the older person uh, because they get some community there and they have a personal connection and they can develop a friendship in a situation like that I think it's a good idea and then if, if you look at these steps as a, a progression in the illness or the injury, um, the, the most care that would be provided would be in a nursing home. So that's more like a hospital setting where you have a nurse available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the people might be bed-bound or they might be scooting around with a walker or a wheelchair. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the average cost of these types of care and then what government benefits can you possibly qualify for. So stay tuned. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Law firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart talking to you today about long-term care and nursing home Medicaid, uh, what attorneys call elder law, because a lot of our clients are older. Uh, some are young but disabled, but the majority of people that I help with nursing home Medicaid are over the age of 65, and they have other long-term disabilities or incapacity. And so the we're just about to talk about the cost before the break. If you're just now joining us, we're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and I'll be on Apple Podcasts and you can stream from 9.30amtheanswer.com live, or you can go to talklawradio.com to listen and watch uh, previous episodes. Or you might be watching on Facebook Live. I have a lot of uh, viewers out there. Uh, thank you for your support. Talking about elder law and nursing home Medicaid today. Before the break, I was just talking about the progression of care for somebody who's got catastrophic or long-term illness or disability. It goes from probably in-home, getting somebody to come visit you at your home and take care of you there. Then you might go to adult daycare just to have some activities while your adult child or grandchild is at work. Then you might go to assisted living or memory care, memory care for those who have Alzheimer's or dementia and maybe are at risk for roaming or wandering and getting lost. And so the sometimes those communities are locked so that the older person doesn't walk out the front door. And then the last... Uh, situation would be in a nursing home, which is like a hospital type. And that's where you have a nurse available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, here are the average costs in Texas. In-home care, depending on the number of hours per day, the number of uh, hours per month, could the average is about $4,195 per month. Now, I think that home care providers are charging uh, between $20 and $22 per hour. So uh, I also hear that they require a minimum three or four hours uh, block of time for somebody to come and, and sit with an older person, help them with uh, things around the house or helping prepare meals. 
adult daycare, the average cost in Texas is $698 per month. Assisted living, there's a whole range, you know, depends on how nice it is, depends on how many services they provide you, but the average cost in Texas is $3,998 per month. And for nursing homes, there's a range, too. Uh, For a semi-private room, which means you have a roommate, which means not private, that would be $5,019 a month. The average cost, if you have a private room, is around $6,388 per month. The average stay in a nursing home is about two and a half years. You know, some stay longer, some stay 10 years, some don't stay very long at all. And the average cost of a nursing home stay over a two-year period could be somewhere around $180,000. So one of my buddies that does financial planning, Danny Dean with Thrivent Financial, he likes to ask his clients, uh, where is your $180,000 checkbook? Well, how do you pay for this? Well, you can save your money. Your saving plan and spending plan today, right now, of course it affects your lifestyle right now because you're not spending on uh, recreation and enjoyment. And it'll also affect your long-term care later. If you save more, then maybe you'll enjoy a better quality of care later. Most of you know someone, a relative or family friend, who struggles to pay for an in-home care provider, assisted living, or nursing home care. Most people think, well, doesn't Medicare pay for this? The type of Medicare that you get when you turn 65 and, and retire? Doesn't Medicare pay for this? Sort of. Medicare will pay for 100 days of rehab in a nursing home following a hospital stay, if that's what the doctor says that you need. Well, it I have to qualify that. Medicare is not going to pay for the total cost of care. You're going to have copay at different benchmarks, different periods of time. And you might have a supplemental health care policy that's supposed to pick up Medicare premiums and copays. But still, it's going to end at 100 days. And that's if you're lucky. That's if you're doing good rehab and getting better and better every day. Medicare doesn't pay beyond that because they say if you stay beyond 100 days, it's not medical anymore. It's custodial care. Well, nursing home Medicaid does pay for custodial care. So that's what is a little strange, is that one area of government-paid health care doesn't believe it's medical in nature, and the other government agency that pays for some type of care does consider it to be medical in nature. By the way, if you email me at host at TalkLawRadio, that's H is in hat, O, S is in Sam, T is in Timothy, at talklawradio.com. Ask about the long-term disability care assessment. It's a one-page worksheet that gives you ideas on how you want to be taken care of and how you want your finance to be planned if you are disabled or incapacitated. If you're interested in receiving that self-assessment, email me at host at talklawradio.com. Okay, so we're getting into Medicaid. This is not the type that you get when you turn 65. Medicaid is income and resource-based. It's for those that have low income and low assets. And yes, it going to talk mostly about nursing home, Medicaid, Medicaid that pays for nursing home care. 
but there also is a home-based version if you want to receive a caregiver to be paid for by Medicaid. We call that Star Plus Waiver and Community-Based Home Care. And the difference is that it's not full-time. So if you qualify, uh, somebody from Health and Human Services will come out and evaluate the applicant and decide, based on their medical situation, how many hours per day, how many days per week they need a caregiver. Uh, this, you can explain what you think, but ultimately it's the worker from Health and Human Services that gets to decide this. If you want this, you should start planning for it now. Why? Because it's hard to get. Even if you qualify, say you qualify today, well, then you have to get on the interest list. There's a waiting list. This type of program is not well-funded. There's a small funding amount, and so... Not everybody that qualifies gets the benefit right away. You have to wait your turn. Whereas if you go into a nursing home, that's known as an entitlement program because everybody that qualifies gets the benefit as long as they can find a nursing home that they like that is a Medicaid vendor that accepts Medicaid and has a bed available. Okay, so that's the difference between home care and nursing home care. If you want to go into a nursing home, they're going to evaluate whether you meet the medical necessity test there also. It has to be medically necessary. See, I have this friend named James who doesn't like to do his laundry. He doesn't like to cook. And so he would move into a nursing home now, even though he's young and healthy, uh, just to have somebody do everything for him. But they're not going to let him move in because he doesn't meet the medical necessity test. So this is something that your physician and your lawyer can't help you with. There is a, a dedicated professional at the nursing home that will do an assessment and turn it in directly to Medicaid. We don't really get to look at it. It's just something you need to ask about because there have been some situations where I've done all the legal work, uh, gotten the person qualified financially for Medicaid, and somebody at the nursing home dropped the ball. So I encourage my clients to ask about it a lot. Every time they see somebody working at the nursing home, if you're applying for Medicaid, ask them, hey, have you done that medical necessity test yet? Can I see it? Can I talk to the person that's doing it? When is it going to be done? Uh, because it's really important that it's done and turned in in a timely manner. Okay, I've been talking about Medicaid just briefly. We have to take one more break. Uh, again, if you're just now joining us, we're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer Radio. That's in, in San Antonio by the Salem Network. You can stream live at 9.30 a.m. TheAnswer.com. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. You just search for Talk Law Radio and look for my smiling face. Or you can go to www.talklawradio.com. We'll be talking more about qualifying for nursing home Medicaid when we return. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We've been talking about elder law, government benefits, 
nursing home, Medicaid. And uh, we talked about how expensive long-term care is. We talked about the progression of care. We talked about uh, our responsibility to take care of our older and disabled family members. Now we're getting into the general rules for nursing home Medicaid benefits in Texas. I was just before the break talking about medical necessity. That's a test that someone at the nursing home has to assess to make sure the applicant will has a real medical need to be there. Which brings me to this point. You have to already be in the nursing home before you apply for Medicaid. I meet a lot of people who want to apply while they're still home because if they're denied benefits, they don't want to owe any money. Well, Medicaid, I guess, decides that you really need it, the benefit, because you're already in the nursing home. So technically, the rule is you have to be there 30 days. There's no problem with that because it takes Medicaid 45 days at least to process your paperwork. Oh, by the way, if you want the long-term disability care assessment worksheet, email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S as in Sam, T as in Timothy, at talklawradio.com, and I will send you, I will email it to you, a long-term disability care assessment. It's a self-assessment It's just for you to decide how you want to be treated, what type of care you want, and how you think you're going to pay for it when you need that type of care. Okay, next requirement to qualify for Medicaid, you have to have low income. So the general rule is that you pay your monthly income to the nursing home. That's your copayment, also known as your applied income. Medicaid picks up the difference between your income and the cost of care. Now, there are some exceptions and deductions where you get to keep some money. Uh, Talk to a lawyer about that. It gets rather complicated. But the general rule is every month you're going to pay your income. So you're not going to be able to pay any of those bills that you had last month if you're moving into the nursing home this month. Uh, If you have bills, I, again, implore you to meet with an elder law attorney to develop a legal strategy to get those bills paid or to make other arrangements. Okay, so if you're over the income limit, it's okay. (laughs) There's an exception for that because there were a lot of people who didn't have any money who needed to be in a nursing home, but they were maybe $1 or $2 over the income limit. And so the government made an exception where you can establish an income trust so that you can overcome this low-income requirement. There was a, a guy that drove in from Seguin to hire me because he had applied to Medicaid three times, and was denied each time. And every time he would apply, they would find another error and say, you don't qualify. He said, I wish that they would have just told me I had three errors. Well, they don't do that. Just as soon as they find a mistake, they stamp it denied, and then you have to try again. Well, every time you're denied, that means... Medicaid's not going to pay benefits that month, and the nursing home still wants to be paid. So his debt to the nursing home was over $15,000. If he had gone to an elder law attorney sooner, starting with the end in mind, applying from the very beginning, he might not have had to pay that. Hopefully not. There was a, a situation that I heard about where a lady was helping the Medicaid applicant get the application and everything in order, except the mistake she made was not filling out the paperwork correctly 
not implementing the strategy that was already uh, thought to be in action. So it's like you have the architectural plans for a building, but you never set up the two-by-fours. It takes both parts. Okay, let's move on. If the person at the nursing home, usually it's the business office administrator or the business office manager, they they like to be called, says that they're going to help you with the Medicaid application, make sure that they do and make sure they know they're responsible for the outcome. Uh, because I, I helped uh, a family, some adult children, get their mom qualified for Medicaid. And what the business office person had done is said, hey, you need to go get this income trust. And they did, and they had no idea what to do with it. And uh, the business office manager never followed up. Well, every month that goes by that you don't have things in order is another month that benefits are going to be denied. If they had gone to an elder law attorney from the beginning, hopefully that wouldn't have happened. Okay, there are some strategies that are available to married people that are not available to a single person. Because back in the 70s, uh, married people were getting divorced so that the ill spouse could qualify for nursing home benefits, and the healthy spouse could save money. And it's not because the the healthy spouse is greedy. They're just thinking, hey, I'm going to have to pay for this too. How can we pay for these expenses twice? Do we have enough money for that? And so the, the federal government said, we'll establish a special law called the Spousal Impoverishment Act to help prevent poverty for both spouses. Uh, The public policy behind that is that it's bad enough that we have to have one person receiving this uh, government benefit. If we can avoid having both of them on it, maybe the government will save some money. So the Spousal Impoverishment Act will allow the healthy spouse to save money and still qualify for Medicaid. So the general rule is that you have to have less than $2,000. Well, the Spousal Impoverishment Act says that the healthy spouse can, can save money. We call that the Spousal Protected Resource Allowance. They could save uh, from between $25,000 to $125,000 depending on what they have. So basically the way it works is when you apply, Medicaid does an imaginary division of the community property. So imagine everything you own is a pizza or a pie, and the government's going to divide it in half. Well, the healthy spouse gets to keep their half, and the the ill spouse has to spend their half. Well, it it depends on what the whole is. So let's say you have $120,000 as a couple. Well, half of that would be 60. So the spousal protected resource allowance would be 60,000. If you have uh, 300,000, well half of that would be 150,000. And the general rule is you can only save 125000 Just I'm using ballpark numbers so that it's easy to remember. Um, but those actual figures you'd have to look up or call Medicaid or, or go to marquartlawfirm.com where there's more specific information. Okay, so what if you have... Um, Less than what if you have less than one hundred and twenty thousand? Let's say you have a hundred thousand. Well, half of that's fifty, so you don't get to save the whole hundred and twenty-five unless you have two hundred and fifty thousand to begin with. Hopefully, that's clear. If it's not, call an elder law attorney. 
go online, call. Oh, I, I forgot to mention, you can call Medicaid. You can call Health and Human Services. You can even call 211 if you're in San Antonio and ask them for an application. You don't have to have a lawyer to fill this paperwork out. If you're already broke, just file the application. Um, I help people who want to save money or I help people who don't want to do this. They don't have time. They're busy. They're working. They're taking care of their kids and their parents. They're overwhelmed. We take that burden on for them, make sure everything's done correctly the first time. Okay, let's see, where are we? Oh, I've been able to help a couple of people save their ranch. There are some exceptions where you can save the ranch and still get qualified for Medicaid. It is difficult, it's time-consuming, it's complicated. If the ranch means something very important to your family, see an elder law attorney. Um, It may be expensive, but it's probably worth the cost. Okay, so a lot of people will ask me about the five-year look back or the penalty for making gifts. There are mathematical calculations that have to be done there to figure out what the penalty is going to be, How much time do you have left being penalized? Um, You don't get in trouble as long as you're above board and ethically and legally uh, disclosing all of the information that Health and Human Services is asking for. I'm running out of time, so I can't explain all of that detail. But if you're interested, call an elder law attorney, call 211. Look it up online, find an attorney, go to marquartlawfirm.com. That's it for today. Talk to you later. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law firm.